It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Crowd cheers. Here's Siddle. He's got it! Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Two Slips in the Gully. I'm joined this time by Aaron. How are you, mate? I'm back. Yes. How you going, guys? Uh, tonight we promise no Ashes talk. We know we've, we've, we've talked everyone's ears off about the Ashes, but we're moving on. It's done. It's dusted. We're, we're going to talk about some other good things. So if you ever thought, oh, these two are going to just harp on about the Ashes again, no, 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 no. Moving on, we're going to cover off Major League Cricket. Um, as we all know, everyone followed the podcast for a while. It's been a topic that's been close to my heart for quite a time. Um, finally going to have a, a chance to give it a, a good wrap and talk about some of the good things that we've seen. Uh, we're going to have a chat about the Australian uh, white ball squads that were just announced and our thoughts on that as we're entering into a sort of a bold new era of Australian white ball some, cricket. Some of the comments by our chairman of selectors have um, for once actually showed a little bit of common sense and a little bit of nous about a way we want to play the game. Or is it one of those things where even a broken clock rock twice a day? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Um, and the last thing we're going to finish on is something we've promised for a while, but we've let Ashes Cricket get in the way of organising it. So we're going to have a chat about the best Irish one-day international team of all time. They've been around for a while now. They've been to a few World Cups. They've slayed a few giants. It's time to pay them pay them their dues, and we're going to go back and have a look at some of the great Irish players that have, uh, have donned the green and uh, gone out there and done their country proud. So all of that cricketing goodness is coming up right after this. So the inaugural Major League Cricket competition has come to a close and the team with possibly the worst name in sports currently have taken it out. I'm sorry, MI New York. I still maintain that you guys really needed to do a New York-focused name because we know that New Yorkers just get ridiculously passionate about, about their teams. 
But you're one hell of a cricket team, even if you do have a rubbish name. Well done to, to MI New York. Off the back of one of the best T20 knocks I have ever seen from Nicholas Perron. Well, that we're ever likely to see. I mean, you just... It's very, very hard when you sat you sat there and watched that absolute blitz to imagine that anybody can hit the ball any cleaner than that. I'll probably think that Aaron Finch's 156 at Southampton was better. Obviously, it's Australia versus England, not yeah. just a a, a, um, a franchise match. But, boy, to come close to that, you you've, know you've played an, an amazing knock. Um, and it was a phenomenal tournament. So, you know, the, the Seattle Orcas – Basically ran the, the the comp. They lost one game all tournament, um, powered by Quinton de Kock and Einrich Klaassen, and then a host of bowlers that were all doing their job. Cameron Gannon and Andrew Tyre, some of familiar names from Australia's point of view, who all chipped in and, and did a job. They met each other in the finals. The they de Kock scored, I think it was eighty or ninety. It was a really good knock on, yeah, it, was, on its uh, own right. Yeah, we um we kind of uh, over. I overlooked all of that. That was a look. It was a brilliant knock from De Kock. He just manipulated the way he manipulated the ball around the field. Um, the power, the placement was everything. Uh, was a whole, uh, yeah, everything that you expect from a really good Quinton De Kock innings was there. Um, and then it kind of just got somebody's took a big yeah. load of dynamite underneath it and set it off. Um, and it wasn't a, it wasn't an easy chase. I mean, one eighty is you'd be happy enough with one eighty on the oh, board. Defending if you, if you asked, it, can I have one eighty in the final? I'll, I'll take that. Yeah, that's nine and over from the start. We'll Get skip. Go, we'll skip the batting innings. We'll just give you one eighty. There wouldn't be too many captains that had tossed that aside. They'd be certainly thinking about declaring and just getting handed one eighty. Um, great innings. Um, but overall, the the tournament itself, I think, was was fantastic for its mm. first time out. Considering it only played in two venues, so you've got the pitch wear and all sorts of other things. Uh, I thought it was a fantastic tournament in terms of. Um, what the product that we saw on the field, uh, I thought, especially Texas Super King games were very, very well uh, supported by by the crowd, uh, yeah. especially when they played the games at Grand Prairie Stadium in Texas. Uh, the Morrisville one, Morrisville Street ones in uh, North Carolina weren't too bad either. Uh, but yeah, the the skills that we were were we were shown on on but screen. This is, but I mean, the skills is what they went out to get. They yeah. went out and paid the money that to bring that product that we're so used to seeing as cricket lovers just as a general rule to bring this to an absolutely brand new audience um i think one of the biggest takeaways that we can get from all of this too was the amount of like we knew that the games would be heavily supported by the south asian asian community in general in america i was actually quite heartened to see the amount of americans who were there um, we should probably address that as people of not of South Asian yeah, descent. Yeah, yeah, people of South, not South Asian ascent, so, descent. So um, that was the thing that I was mainly looking for in the crowd because you, you know that cricket's in your blood if you come from India or you come from Pakistan or Bangladesh or wherever it happens to be. But the real litmus test for this competition is going to be how they break into the market. You've already got a ready-made market there with, with that fanatical, passionate love of the game from the from the South Asian community. It's how many 
other people you're dragging through the gate and getting them interested and getting them to want to go and play or to get their kids to go and play that's going to be the ultimate decider of how successful Major League Cricket is going to be. And I think they've done a good job. I mean, not only was it broadcast, like it was on you know, our primary pay television sports yeah. provider, Fox Sports in Australia, and I know that was the case for a number of different countries in the world. CBS actually picked up and showed a few games free to air over in the United States as well, which is, you know, you've got to be happy with that to try oh, and you've crack You've got into to that be market. extremely happy with that. I mean, the fact that, you know, you had a product that you were able to get on the televisions that people didn't have to pay to see, that they could just flick it on and there it was. That's the ultimate, I guess, in your first year. I mean, to get free to wear coverage in America of your of a brand new product like this for the American market is huge. Um, so, building from here, uh, I'd certainly I, I saw a great idea um, from some people commenting online. Is I think what America needs to do now, what the Major League Cricket needs to do now, is is find a different avenue to market it. I know they, they've got guys like Steve Smith and people like that talking it up, which is great because you obviously need to, but because you know, no one in America really knows who Steve Smith is and what you want to do is you want to attract, you want to break into that niche yeah. market. So they need to go and find names synonymous with their French, with their, you know, the locales of their franchise. Yeah, with their so, city. So find, you know, find a Dallas Cowboy that might want to go and throw, or a Texas Ranger from the Major League Baseball team and just get them to go and just, you know, yeah affiliate themselves in some small way with the brand, you know, find a, a prominent local sports. You know, it doesn't even necessarily need to be supports Some local select, something that resonates with the area they live in. You know, there's plenty of famous actors that, you know, that attribute themselves to, to New York or Los Angeles, get them involved in, in pushing that brand to yeah. the wider audience. Because as we've seen it, it's a fantastic product. Yeah. Um, how good was Trent Bolt? 22 wickets, double the next person. Yeah. Bolt was just on fire. He um, On fire. He really has justified his decision to step away from his, uh, his New Zealand central contract and become a gun for hire because, let's face it, you don't have a, the genuine best bowler in the world in T20s, and I think he's clearly the best T20 bowler in the world at this point in time. Um, he just delivers time after time after time. He's good with the new rock. He comes back, gives you good overs in the middle and can come back at the end as well. So, I mean, he just demonstrated his, his, all-round, his all-round package, basically. He was just brilliant. Um, I don't know that all the names that you'd expect were there. Heinrich Klaassen scored the first uh, Major League Cricket century. He we, was we, phenomenal. We kind of um, haven't touched on that. I watched that, and that was one hell of a knock as well. He's um, He reminds me very much of a Kevin Peterson in, in ways, in, certainly in the way that he, he tries to pull the ball off the front foot a lot. Oh, yeah, there's um, devastating yeah, power he, in there, um, isn't there? He's very, very much like KP in that, that he doesn't really get right back. He'll just sort of come forward and then just prop there and just pivot. And he was sending balls into the crowd for fun most of the tournament, actually. As I mean, as the the cream did rise to the top in the, in this. Well, as thing. as you'd expect, the the tournament was dominated, especially batting wise, by the international stars. You know, Poor and Decock, Class and Devon Conway, Tim David, Andre Russell. They were all occupying the top spots. It wasn't until you get to 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 Nauman Anwar, who was the first naturalized American, who scored yeah. just shy of two hundred runs. 
um, at an average of 27, strike rate of 120. Corey Anderson, who's a former three-format player for New Zealand, he's another naturalized, Australia, naturalized American, I should say, 190 runs. with a. He opened up his account with 91 not out and a fantastic knock and a match-winning effort for the Unicorns. Um but yeah, so as you'd expect, there were the most of the players at the top were were your um were the were guys who, players. who we brought in to show the Americans how to play cricket. I do have to say, I want to give a shout out to you know a player from my team, the Washington Freedom, Netra Volker, who was the a naturalized player. He ended up with ten wickets, including a six for nine and a match winning effort. Watched the game against uh, against the Unicorns. It was fantastic. Went at seven and over. Did a really good job. He was the fourth leading wicket taker. Cameron Gannon, who is um, you know. Uh, yeah, he grew up an Aussie, but he's a, a dual citizen, so he's gone over and he's an, a, a local American player. He was a second leading wicket taker for the Seattle Orcas, uh, 11 wickets at 17, going at less than seven and a half runs. Yeah. Exactly the same economy rate as Trip Bold, actually. Yeah. So you, that, you, you take that, wouldn't you? Like you've gone over there, you're basically a fringe player in Australia now. You've gone over, you made yourself a name over in. Over in America, he'll be, he, he, you know, that's probably a mortgage on a house for him. Well, and the thing is, too, what you've got to remember, like, so Trent Bolt was very much sort of the, uh, the main gun for New York. Of whereas course. you look at uh, four of the top seven wicket takers play for the Seattle Orcas. So when you're sort of there looking, going, uh, Trent Bolt streaked ahead, you know, considerable number of the next four bowlers were uh, taking wickets off each other. Yeah. Sort of thing. So, Gannon was second. AJ Ty was third. Imwan Wazim was fourth. Then you've got Netravolka um, from Washington and Adam Zampa from the Los Angeles Knight Riders coming up next. And then you've got Wayne Parnell. And they all took 10 wickets. Gannon took uh, 11. Ty took 11. Uh, Wazim took 10. And um, uh, Wayne Parnell took 9. Uh, I want to give a really big shout out actually to Muhammad Mushin, who actually joined the Texas Super Kings as a wild card. He wasn't picked up in the draft, um, so he's a, no, a local player that was picked up um, right before the beginning of the season as a wild card entry. He opened his account with four for eight in his debut game and really announced himself. So while we were, you know, we were privileged to watch some of the best in the world do their things, there were a number of you know, the local players coming through and showing that American cricket's got plenty to offer and I think that's going to be the next thing as well when they get their own sort of they get their own guy that's come through a young player that can just go oh, I can hang with the big boys that's mm-hmm. really going to well that would that would be one of one of the dreams and of the I, franchise and I, and I think ideally get... it's got to be a batter they get a batter yes. that comes in and and starts you know poking yeah. his nose up going I'm right here look this right. is Quinton McCock this is Einrich Klaassen this is Nicholas Poor and these guys you know, making millions of dollars in the IPL, have played international cricket all around the world, and I'm right there with them. Yeah. That'll be that'll get them through. Um, I had I had a personal favourite. He didn't play for my team, but I really love what he was all about. Um, did you watch that uh, Gerald Coetzee? Yeah. From the Super Kings. Yeah. How good a fast bowler is he? He yeah. just he just. Just another South African off that printing a, press. He's just an absolute meathead, but isn't Where he's just... He just, he, <laughs> he, he just look if at he him was a cartoon, now. there'd be just like Dragon Ball Z yeah. power-ups coming out of yeah. him, just yelling and screaming and breathing fire, a oh. proper fast bowler. Yeah, I'm he's a, like really I said, just a classic... Oh, he's a, like a Lenny Pascoe throwback, basically. That I don't know if anybody remembers Lenny Pascoe from the, the 70s and the early 80s, but... He was a bit like that and just all fire and brimstone and steam coming out of the ears and muscles flexing and really big, tough, um, 
action delivery stride. You know, it wasn't so much bowl and the ball was hurling it at you. It was good. Um, he yeah. was good to watch. It, yeah, it was um, – uh, and backed it up too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's backed it up as ended well. Up so with... That's why it's all very well and good to be cartoonish, but you really need to put the to put the numbers on the board. And I, I think he was he was very – actually, it's very hard to think of an international player who went over there who didn't have – Faf. Yeah. <laughs> Faf had an awful tournament, unfortunately. Yeah, look, that was probably the main – like there weren't too many that were awful. No one really was – except for Faf. Faf. Yeah. Look, Faf was bad. I, 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 you can kind of forgive Faf, I think, a little bit. The guy's got to be exhausted. He's been making runs for fun for the last two years all around the world. He's probably arrived in, in America and gone, oh, a bit of a holiday here. I'll just have a bit of a paddle around, knock up a few hundred runs. Open the batting, yeah. you know. Oh, my God, yeah. wow. Every, everybody's been waiting for you, Faf. <laughs> just waiting for you to take your foot off the pedal. Um, but, no, it, it, again, it's can't, I can't um, emphasise enough what a fantastic tournament it was. Um, I cannot wait for the next season. Hopefully, there's an opportunity to squeeze in a few more games. I don't think it needs to, you know, go it too, I too don't, far, too far. Yeah, we don't want another franchise just yet. We want to build some brand recognition with these franchises that we've got now. Don't overcrowd the market, and we want to. I think that the key to it is going to be to keep it, to keep it viable, to have, to try and work out that. Yes, this is our little niche in the American sporting calendar. It's here every year. We look forward to it. The best people are coming to play in it. The, um, I, I think the key thing, more than anything that needs to happen, is they need to be spending some money on facilities development. They need to be playing in more places. It can't just yeah. exist in Grand Prairie. I know there was talk, they interviewed the um, owner of the uh, Seattle Orcas, who was very keen to get a facilities up and running in Seattle, the more because I understand that you can't just go and be a travelling circus around. Nah. Not everyone's going to have home and away fixtures because they don't simply just don't have the infrastructure. That's nah. got to be the next step. You've got to be able to take this so people in Seattle can go and watch a cricket game live. People in Los Angeles can watch a cricket game live. People nah. in New York can watch. A cricket. Doesn't all have to happen at once, but if nah. maybe they we yeah, don't. Made, want, you've got to be careful about going to the opposite of making it a travelling circus mm. where it's like the guys pull in in town. You've got six teams and they play three games in this town and they go to that and we don't really I don't think that's really the way that they want to go but I, I think it needs to get to a point where each team has a home has a home ground but I don't think they need to go New York gets one Seattle gets one and do it all together mm. you know if they focus on right the next place we want to target is for example say Seattle there seems to be the opportunity for yeah. um, financial backing if the owner is, is talking that get it up and then you can play the tournament you know some games in Seattle, some games in Texas, some yeah. more games in North Carolina, and then you get you get people coming through the gates in Seattle, and then once that yeah. works and it's all doing well, gain a little bit of momentum, and then maybe put one in you know San Francisco or, yeah. or Los Angeles or New York, and you do another one, so then you can split into quarters and you have some games over on the yeah. East Coast, and just, think, and and the and more I'm, people you can get through yeah. the gates, I certainly so there's also potential there, um, not so much. Initially, but you want to be developing local rivalries, and obviously the, the most is Los Angeles and San Francisco. You know they're going to be. Well, I think I think primarily what it'll be Los Angeles and Texas will be because they've got that IPL yeah. connections. They'll probably be the most natural. Um, but yeah, I, I think they need to breed yeah. their own identities. So I think yeah. the initially it'll be that Chennai Kolkata yeah. rivalry will. 
and then and then we're again with New York and Mumbai, but they do. They need to breed that local, yeah. you know, California rivalry exactly. and try and get San Francisco and LA sort of not at each other's throats, but just sort of like yeah. you know where the but the, even the local if, derby. Even if you can like get something where one of them stole one of the best teams players, and there's a bit of spice in the yeah. and you create a bit of a local derby sort of a thing. I mean that. Yeah, the, the I mean, big thing for the Indian for Premier League has thrived on that. They have created these rivalries between the franchises, which are part of the fabric of the tournament. And ideally, that's what hopefully the Americans can strive towards. Well, well that's what they. What's honestly what they need? America needs to be able to identify with these teams. It yeah. can't just be. Los Angeles doesn't like Texas because Chennai doesn't like Kolkata. They just they don't won't buy into that. You won't get that. Same, not on, not on a, you know, if there's a, you know, obviously someone from that's followed cricket before this, may buy into that, but new fans won't care. No, new fans that watch wanting to watch American cricket won't care that Chennai and Kolkata don't like each other. So they've got to have their own sense of um, identity, their own sense of individuality about it, and they need to, if it really wants to take off and really crack the market in the United States, and not simply be just somewhere for IPL teams to launder their money then they need to be able to get Americans to buy into it for American reasons, which is, again, sorry to disappoint MIA New York fans, which is why I think you've got the worst team name in sports yeah. at the moment because you've missed a golden yeah, opportunity there. Absolutely. But clearly, I mean, diverging a little bit from that, the Mumbai Indians obviously believe that they want to have that MI franchise all around the cricketing world. That's fine. Like that, I, that's you can fine. have the have the right logo, have the Mumbai Indians logo on the jersey. Make sure that everyone knows that Mi that New York's affiliated. But like, it's they, just, they needed to have something that New Yorkers yeah. could go. That's mine. Yeah. It's just interesting too that when you consider all the all the kerfuffle that's gone on in American sports over the use of Native American. Um, I guess insignia, yeah, so the Washington Redskins, Washington are... Redskins, etc., etc., the Cleveland Indians, blah blah blah. The fact that they went in there with that name there, like I know it's MI New York, but it's still Mumbai Indians New York. Do you think that they're trying to hide that sort of so it's not controversial? Honestly, I, I don't think that cricket's got quite the um the platform in the United States yet for people to care. Yeah. I think that's probably the big that's thing. That's probably no one, No one in the, in the wider American audience cares that they're called the Indians because they're not watching yet. Yeah. It might be interesting later on. And I think at some point they'll re- – I hope it doesn't become a thing because at the end of the day, the Mumbai have called themselves the Indians and no one cares. And this is, again, what is it's an affiliate of the Mumbai Indians. So to call out Mumbai Indians for being racist – would be really hypocritical. So the Mumbai side is happy to call their side the Indians. They bring that over to the United States and then you get offended on India's... It just doesn't make sense. Uh, it, yeah. it shouldn't ever be a thing, but I think that... This the fact is that 2022. It, it could put quite... 2023. Yeah, 2023 <laughs> even. It could be could be a thing. Uh, but no, so well, we'll just... Before we get off to anything else, I can't cannot wait for Season 2 of Major League Cricket. I think this has ticked all the boxes. It was... Um, a fantastic tournament um, in terms of the production. Um, I can, cannot believe, honestly cannot believe how good the pitches held up. Yeah. When we watched the, some of the rubbish that Pakistan 
trotted out for their series. This is an a, this is a test nation that knows all about um, you know curating wickets, and they came out and their excuse for why their wickets were so bad was they haven't had time to curate them properly and all that sort of stuff. But America can go and trot this out in what matter of months. Matter of months. Absolutely fantastic. They were wickets that offered a bit for the new ball. Spinners got a bit. They were fantastic to bat on, and they held up with so much punishment. This isn't just like one game at the SCG, and then you know this is this is taking this is multiple games, multiple games over multiple days. And I'm sure mm. they had a couple of pitches all prepared for it all. But this was ball being played at the one ground, and this ground, you know, churned out really good, watchable cricket the whole way through. Um, so fantastic work there for that. Um, did a great job attracting international talent to make it actually, you know, worth watching. Did a great job. Some of the, the, the local players did a great job of putting their hands up going, you know, we're here, we're coming a long way, we're right there with you. Uh, just a fantastic tournament. Though I am disappointed Washington Freedom still haven't got back to me about getting me a jersey. I'll pay for it. I just want yeah. you to ship it to Australia. Just show me how to do you, that. There is a massive market out here for all sorts of cricketing paraphernalia. We don't care who it's from you're, as long as it's about cricket. You're affiliated with our home state. New yeah. South Wales is affiliated with the Washington Freedom, and I, a proud New South Welshman, cannot buy a Washington Freedom jersey. I'm disappointed. You haven't got back to me. Yeah. I'm going to annoy you about it all through, like... My partner managed to get a San Francisco Unicorns one. Come on, guys. Yeah. Where is the love? Yeah. All right. And, and while we're there, I, I'm about an extra large in a um, Texas um, Super Kings jersey. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, uh, g- congratulations to the Major League Cricket. Fantastic tournament. Cannot wait for season two. Uh, coming after this, we're going to have a chat about the uh, players who have made the Australian uh, white ball sides, funny enough, well done. There are quite a few Major League Cricket representatives in that list as well. Here we go, Ryan Harris. We're coming to the first white ball cricket that we've played in quite a while, especially when it comes to T20 cricket, the first white ball games that we've played since the uh, most recent World Cup. And Australia has just announced its uh, squads for both of those tournaments. So we'll go through them now. There's been some changes. So we'll start with the T20 squad, which has got probably the most change. Uh, Mitchell Marsh is the captain. Well Mm -hmm. done, Mitch. Uh, Sean Abbott, Jason Berendorf, Tim David, Nathan Ellis, Aaron Hardy, Travis Head, Josh Inglis, Spencer Johnson, Glenn Maxwell, Matt Short, Steve Smith, Marcus Stoinis, and Adam Zampa. Uh, so some big news out of that. Obviously, Mitchell Marsh is the, the first in line to have a crack at Aaron Finch's vacated and captaincy spot. And that um, uh, George Bailey has officially announced that Steve Smith will be opening the batting for yes. the uh, the T20 side. Hooray! What, what do we think about that? What are, we, what are our thoughts of that squad moving? Oh, look, I think it's, it's pretty much what we expected it was going to be, um, except for um, the addition of young Tanvir Sanger, which... Uh, Tanvi Sanger's on this one. He's in the ODI. Oh, in the ODI. He was in the ODI World Cup squad. Oh, was he? Okay, so this is the South African one. This is just the, yeah, the South Sorry. African team. Oh, I'm, I'm looking at the wrong one. Yeah. But, yeah, look, I think, it, you know, 
it's basically steady as as she goes. Mm. The introduction of a Hardy's a good a good move, I think. But um, yeah, we, there's no great surprises in the team, that's for sure. Yeah, I was really happy to see um Hardy get a get a run. Actually, no, he's not in this one either. Aaron, yeah, Aaron Hardy. So Aaron Hardy's in that one. Um, yeah, so Aaron Hardy, after a couple of really strong uh, domestic performances, especially in the Big Bash, has made his way into the side. Uh, I'm very happy to see Jason Berendorf get a run. We've obviously rested a lot of our um, you know, our main bowlers that are there. So there's no Mitchell Stark, no Pat Cummins, who's, um, who's injured at the moment, no Josh Hazelwood. So we've gone with a, a new look bowling attack. Nathan Ellis has been, I've been. We've all been calling for Ellis to be included in our um, T20 squad for ages. He just brings those yeah. those T20 skills. He, he is the one guy in the Australian lineup who we can say is a genuine death bowler. Yeah, he is the man who we want to have the ball in his hand in the 18th and the 20th overs. Um, because he just produces. Um, he's produced again. I mean, his form over there in, in the hundreds been excellent again. Um, he's just, he really should be one of the first bowlers picked. Oh, I, I, he'd be the first bowler I'd pick for the T20 squad moving forward, 100%. Yeah. Ahead of Stark, ahead of Hazelwood, ahead of Cummins. Well, I don't even know, honestly, I don't even know if Cummins makes the best 11 for our T20 side, yeah. to be fair. Um, um, the big, the big, big in that we haven't really touched on so far is young Spencer Johnson. Absolutely. Got to talk about wow. him. Wow. The guy yeah, just looks ready to go, doesn't yes, he? What he... a 12, 18 months that man has had from, well, even that, it's been less than 12 months. He really burst onto the scene in the Big Bash. It's probably been nine months. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's less than 18 months. He's only We only first heard of him just around Christmas time. Yeah. Um, and now he's in the Australian T20 squad and left arm deservedly is in the team. Um, left arm, proper fast. Um, if anyone hasn't looked up uh, his um, amazing spell in the 100 recently. Yeah, it's all over online. 20 deliveries and he conceded one run and took three wickets. Yeah. Absolutely incredible. Getting plenty of shape into the right-handers, plenty of venom with his... You know, pace and bounce. The guy looks, and what, 26, 27. He's in the prime of his bowling yeah. life at the moment. Let's get him in. Get him in. Get him as much white ball quick as we can because this guy is going to be, could potentially be the difference in both World Cups. I think maybe it's, well, obviously he hasn't been included in the, we'll get to that later, the World Cup uh, World Cup squad. But, um, yeah, this is a guy that we're, we're looking at for the T20 World Cup in 2024. Yeah. Um, looking absolutely awesome. Um, I, I just love the fact that you, you look at, you watch this, this guy run in and he looks at the finished article. There's not too much that goes wrong with his action. He swing and he, he swings the ball very late, swings it back into the, into the right handers at pace. Good bounce, a good slower ball, and then obviously has the option of pushing the ball across the right handers as well. And nobody likes the ball up around their rib cage at 145 to 150 k's an hour, and that seems to be his standard. His standard line is where he's basically in at your ribs all the time, which I think is um, particularly uncomfortable for most batters. Oh um, yeah, hundred percent. Hundred uh, percent. One that I'm particularly happy with is Matt Short. I think yeah. he's about um, time. Another one about time. He's a guy that can bat at the top of the order. We need to. I reckon he's probably he'd be right at home batting in the middle as well. If we if that was what we needed. Yeah. Um, and, and so this this is where we come back to the fact that 
we're we're letting players hang on for too long. Um, Matt Short should have had a debut. Aiden Musker. Yeah, he's been he's been playing great cricket at every level. Uh, Shield, yeah. Marsh Cup, Big Bash. Uh, yeah. He's been, been he, fantastic. He's Went been over to the IPL machine. and was he wasn't great the IPL, but he certainly it, wasn't awful. And he didn't he got limited opportunities over there. He was basically just over there as a fill in. To, to fill in the spot, and, um, he, and was, he wasn't he wasn't disgraced by any. He didn't get the scores possibly that he would have liked, but he certainly didn't look out of place in that company. No, he looked like he he belonged. Just was one of those guys that hasn't sort of stood out from the rest. And he's also a guy that can give you some overs, uh, either in the the power play or you know in the middle overs. I think this guy could be the heir apparent to a Glenn Maxwell in terms of being a top-order batsman that gives you some overs with spin, which helps the balance of your T20 side, yeah. knowing that you can get you know, anywhere between you know one to four overs out of one of your top-order bats. It's an absolute just mm-hmm. godsend for a T20 side. Yeah. So, I mean, just, just going forward, looking looking ahead in, into our crystal balls, who out of this squad would we really like to see... Um, the top six. Well, obviously, it's just, well, we've answered the question that Steve Smith will open. Um, Mitch Marsh, you would imagine, will take up yeah. his customary spot batting at three. Um, I would imagine Glenn Maxwell being the experienced head would be probably at four. So I would think if you're going to open with you're going to open with Smith, you're probably looking at someone like Travis Head being the other opener. Yeah. And they tried they tried that in the, especially in the one days Head opening opening yeah. the batting. So I actually like the idea of Travis Head opening in T twenties. Um, um, and 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 he certainly proved his his case in the one days as well. Um, we need to move on from Warner. We, we we're not going to, but we need to. Yeah. Um, we he'll should, make he'll uh, the uh, way he's, he's going. He'll play. He'll play. He's going to be in the sport. He's going to play until the World Cup. So yeah. he's not on this tour, but um, I imagine he won't be far away from from joining. So there. So you're looking at what Head Smith, uh, Mitch Marsh, Glenn Maxwell, probably then Josh Inglis. And Marcus Stoinis would probably be five six. Yeah, I just think we and the Stoins another guy who we really need to move on from. Um, he had a pretty unimpressive uh, uh, major league. Um, didn't look like he was over there on a holiday, quite frankly. Um, I. I Personally, think it would be a good opportunity to blood a guy like Hardy. Yeah, or well, I think that's good. You, whichever all rounder you're going to play is probably going to play at six. Um, then you'd probably have Tim David at seven, but this is a guy that probably could slide up the order depending yeah. on how the wickets are falling. Yeah, you got, got no problem with Tim David batting at six. Um, and then you're looking at your bowlers. So I'd love to see Johnson get a uh, yeah Spencer Johnson getting a start. Nah. So um, what do we got? Abbott Berendorf. Johnson, Ellis are your your quick, so you'd imagine one of them are going to miss out. So probably going to be maybe a Jason Berendorf. Uh, I reckon they'll rotate those through. But yeah, I'd like to see yeah, Abbott coming next. Maybe then Johnson, um, mm-hmm. um, Ellis, and then obviously Zamps will be playing most of those games. And then yeah. you're looking at you're looking at um, either um, Hardy or Stoyness on the bench with Matt Short. And one of the bowlers, um, which where did. does that where does that leave Agar? Uh, well, Agar, I think, will come in, come back in. Obviously, uh, he'll he'll play. He'll play in India. Play in India for sure. Well, obviously, the ODI World Cup is in India, so but he'll play in the West Indies. Uh, I'm not sure 
why he's missed this particular squad. They're probably looking at the South African wickets, thinking they probably don't need to go with two spinners. Uh, two spinners. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, I, I I certainly don't think Agar's a spent force um, at the international level. I think he's just missed out on on this particular yeah. squad. I ju- I just yeah, I just feel like with everything that went on with him with the India tour and stuff like that, and his own admission that he hadn't he hadn't cut the mustard, uh, admittedly at Test level, is that been a black mark at him with him going forward? Do we still? Uh, he's still in the plans. I certainly because, quite hope frankly, not. most most of the time he's he's one of the first guys picked. Especially as a bowler. I mean, this is a guy that is so ridiculous. much with the ball. Yeah. Now, you'd like to see – he's an excellent fielder. You'd like to see some more consistency out of him with the bat because you know that there's talent there with the bat. But, um, yeah, I, I certainly hope that's not the last we see of Ashton Agar. I'm a very big fan of this. Uh, before we jump into the ODI squad, what, so what has been announced, which is absolutely infuriates me, um, which is a case of one step forward, two steps back with this selection committee, Mitchell Marsh is the captain. Uh, what a fantastic turnaround for him! It's what it, after being, you know, selected two years ago to bat top of the order in the, in the short form formats, um, he's just come into his own. Fantastic, well done, Mitch Marsh. This is exactly what we want to see from Mitch Marsh. What we've shown in the Test arena, what he's shown over the last eighteen months in the in the white ball game. It's all we want. Just playing properly, playing to strengths, playing consistently. Why, after nine months of inactivity? has he been given the interim captaincy? He's been announced that he's only the captain for this South African tour and they're not going to make their decision on who the full-time white ball captain is until possibly looking after the one-day International World Cup. Why have we not, in the nine months that we've spent not playing any T20 cricket at all, figured out who we want the captain to be and then give him as many games as possible to get ready for the 2024 World Cup. Why are we waiting until after the ODI World Cup or after this series or whatever it might be to figure out what's uh, going on? Well, I cannot understand. This is, this is just another just another um, dot point on the list of baffling decisions by Cricket Australia over an extended period of time. There's been nothing but um, choruses of good on him. Let's, let's see what the boy can do. He's going to be a fixture in the teams. Give him a run. I mean, this is just absurd just, that you're going to name somebody as a, as a captain for one tour. You know, like I understand that yeah, it may come, it might be like storming a team cup, and they might give it to him full time. But I just don't understand is why we aren't prepared to make that call now. We've had nine months of prep yeah. to get ready for it. What? So what is this? Is this a dress rehearsal? If he doesn't play well, he's not or suddenly. Not the captain. Like I don't understand well, where, uh, it, where the hesitancy comes from. We're not going to have get a really great unless, sample unless, size out of this tour anyway. What concerns me is that Pat Cummins is injured and won't take part in this series. Are we looking at making Pat Cummins a three format captain, and we just needed to name a captain, and we knew that he wasn't going to play in this series? So they've gone, "You're the captain for this series." And they're planning on making Pat the the, the full time captain. He's, for all three al- he's already a part time captain of the one day international team. I mean, the fact that it's actually come out in the papers that that he doesn't intend to play all the one days that he can possibly play. The values we've spoken about this before. Just the values of the Australian captaincy for a start. So, I personally think he should just be the test captain, and we find other captains for the shorter form. 
Yeah, when they uh, named him the one-day international yeah. captain, it absolutely boggled my mind because he played one game. We had a series to play. He played one game and, and then took the game off yeah, afterwards. He played one. He took a rest from the captaincy one game after being given it. So I'm just – that is unbelievable. And then we go get doing things like giving Josh Hazelwood the captaincy. I mean, you know, look, I, I'm not sure what you're thinking there. Is, are you giving Josh Hazelwood the captaincy as a thank you for all of his hard work? Are you giving Josh Hazelwood the captaincy because he's the best candidate out of the available 11 that you feel that you could put on the team and you've got Steve Smith, Travis Head, blah, 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 in the team who are natural leaders anyway? It's just another mind-boggling example from a, a, a selection panel that – like you said, it's one step forward, two steps back, and this is just another example of two steps back. Because I don't think I don't think Mitch Marsh has ever been more popular in Australia than he is right now. I think no. that if they said Mitch Marsh is our guy, we're backing him to the hilt, he is the new T Twenty captain. No one would have like there'd be. There's always going to be some trolls on the internet that aren't going to be for it. But if we, as a collectiveness, at two slips in the gully, can go, yeah, Mitch Marsh will make a fantastic T Twenty captain and be on board, then no one <laughs> should no. be upset because. There hasn't been too many people that have slagged off Mitch Marsh more than, you know, Us. myself and Glenn and <laughs> Gary and, you know, me and you. So, <laughs> and, and Marsh has done everything he's been asked for. He's yeah. gone away. He's been dropped. You've told me to work on your game. He's found his, his identity. He's matured as a player and he's come back in his early 30s and he's just looked the goods. Yeah. He's got a good, another good four or five years of playing short form cricket at the highest level in him. He's the man now. And I mean, you look at the squad and even like all the available players, Warner's not going to captain again. Smith doesn't want to captain again. Maxwell, I could mm. see doing it, but it's only you'd only be having no. Maxwell the captain until the 2024 World Cup. Yeah, Maxwell, then, Maxwell's on his way out. Absolutely. I mean, let, let's face I mean, he's, it. He's getting on, but yeah. I think he would be, he'd be someone that you could potentially look at as being a captain. If you knew you were just building towards a World Cup run, and you go, we get to the World Cup, we have a crack at tilt at that, and then if that doesn't work out, then we've got two years until the next World Cup, and then we can, you know, we instill a, a new captain in, in for that. So I could see that being a thing. Travis Head is someone I think who could do I a pretty Travis, good job. Travis but Head has, I, has shown himself. He's been a leader from a very young age. I mean, he's one of the youngest Sheffield Shield captains in yeah. South Australia's history, I believe. Yeah, and then between him and Cameron White, they'd be, they'd be pretty close to the top of, you know, um, Sheffield Shield, younger Sheffield Shield captains ever. Sort of, yeah. Sort of. So, like, there, there are a couple of options, but I have no issues with Mitch Marsh. No, not do I. But I because just, as I said, too, he's a fixture in the team. Yeah. He's going to be one of the first guys we pick every single time. And I just don't understand the hesitancy. Why is the answer for this series, and we'll have a look later on, like, why are we just not, why are we not prepared? It just, make, if, it just makes us seem incompetent. It makes us seem that we're fence sitters it makes us seem that we don't actually know what's going on we don't have any particular plans and to be fair considering the planning that we we demonstrated in the ashes that wouldn't surprise me if it was just an oversight and they just didn't plan i will worry about the t20 side later and then all of a sudden the ashes are out of the way they've gone oh we haven't actually planned on who we're gonna captain the t20 like it was just sort of snuck up on them and went oh um well what are you doing pat i got a broken hand uh, Smith, I'm not captaining. Um, we can't give it to Dave because we don't like Dave. Uh, Mitch, how do you like to be captain? And just that's what it smacks it's It does have that feel about it, which is sad because in the cold light of day, he's actually a pretty good choice. Yeah. 
And I just know, think on the balance of on the balance of things, he is a pretty good choice. And it would be an absolute travesty if he goes and has a fantastic series, and they come out after the ODI World Cup and go right. Well, we actually because we were too busy doing stuff that we shouldn't be doing, we hadn't planned ahead. Our plan was always to have Pat Cummins or whoever being captain. So Mitch, thank you for those. You know. Five, I'm not sure, was it three to five games that you were a captain? But uh, we're going to go with this direction instead. Like, mm-hmm. Part of the Australian cricket team's like support staff role is to do this in the background and let the players play. So I cannot believe that the, the best way to go about things was we're going to name an interim captain. That should have been, all right, we've got, this is our first T20 fixture since the World Cup. We're now a year and change away from the next World Cup. Mitch or Travis or... Glenn, or we were quite happy we'd have someone like an Ashton Turner, should have been brought in for that first game and gone, this is how many games we've got left of the World Cup. We're going to go and build a team starting now and get into that run for the World Cup. But it just feels like we're devaluing these games. We're just like, we're just going to go and throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks and we'll wing it after the World Cup. After the World Cup, we'll deal with this. And it just smacks of... This uh, uh, a board that isn't prepared to multitask and and get things going on different fronts. It's Unprofessional. Like the, we're worried about the Ashes before, and we're worried about the World Cup now. So this is going on the back burner, and then it'll sneak up on them, and then all of a sudden they won't be prepared, and we'll trot out the same team that largely has been ineffectual at the world stage. If you if you had a, if you had a business and they run their business in such a haphazard and slipshod way. Um, and they were a publicly listed company, the administrators would move in and take over. <laughs> okay. It, it's, yeah, look, it, 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 from guys who are getting paid serious money to do these jobs, they really, really need to do better. Um, we'll move on and talk about the Australian ODI squad for the South African series. Uh, so Pat Cummins returns and obviously we the captain. Uh, Sean Abbott, uh, Ashton Agar, we talked about his back for the one-day series. Um, Alex Carey, Nathan Ellis, uh, Cameron Green returns to the side. Aaron Hardy retains his spot. Um, Josh Hazelwood returns to the mix. Travis Head, Josh Inglis, Mitchell Marsh, Glenn Maxwell, Tanvir Sanger. So here we are. He's here for the one-dayers. Steve Smith and Mitchell Stark. Now, I'm with you on the Tanvir Sanger point because Tanvir Sanger burst onto the national spotlight through the Big Bash. That's how we all know him. Why is this guy playing one-day international cricket for Australia and not T20. Why is he not getting a run in the format that we know him for? Like, I'm all for more TNV Sanger at an international level. I think the guy is oozing with talent, but it just seems to be we're, you know, we're... We've just we we've picked, him, we've picked what, him in the wrong format. Yeah, we don't know what to do with him, essentially, seems to be the problem. Um, look... And, you know... I we haven't picked thought, we haven't picked Zampa, yeah, who is a fantastic one day player. Right. You'd think that we'd want Zampa getting as many reps into him as possible because we've got the World Cup in India where he is definitely going to be a factor. Yeah. So you'd give you'd cut um, Tanvir Sanger's teeth on the T twenties. And he runs Zamp in the one day. And you squad, give Zamp the, the one day is so he's getting one day reps in to get ready for the World Cup that's coming up. So yeah. I don't. And are we seriously saying that Tanvir Shang is going to be amongst the first choice spinners that we take to the World Cup? 
I would think. Well, he's in the World Cup. They've they've added him to the World yeah, Cup. Yeah, I don't squad. think. I can't see him going. Well, but if well, I think he being in India, I think he could definitely go as the backup leg spinner. So when you think about spinners that are going, so obviously we're going to be playing most games with Zamps and Agar. Yeah, and then you're going to have Maxwell Head possibly. But if there's any injuries, we don't really have. Who's the next first like like specialist spinner that you're thinking you're going to? Especially a leggy who we know leggies have quite the. Um, yeah, have been quite prolific in white ball cricket over the last few years, and Tanvir is one oozing. I think Tanvir could definitely end up being in the extended, maybe not getting too many games if he doesn't get ahead of it. But I think he could be there in case there's an injury to to an Agar or to a to a Zampa. Um, I, I, I personally think he's just a he's a, a selection for the future to get him in and, so, and give so him do, a bit of a taste. So do I. I but, can, yeah, I can I, see I, both being a thing, but I, I would not be shocked to see Sanger make that squad of 15. Oh, we'd, being, be, we'd be delighted. We've been pushing for this kid to be playing for Australia for the last two years. Which is why he just doesn't want to... Cut his teeth. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, yeah. anyways. Again, I, look, we've just been over. We just had a, a, a ten minute diatribe about the absolute incompetence of our selection panel. Um, we can just chalk that down as another one on on the dot point list. So, so this is going to be an interesting squad as well because there's. Oh, sorry. Actually, I didn't scroll far enough. Zampa has made the um, ODI squad, as has David Warner. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Sorry, I didn't scroll far enough either. <laughs> that's late, folks. <laughs> so um, you'd imagine with that um, team that Warner and Head will then open the batting again for that. Um, Smith will take his customary spot at three, um, and then they'll they'll filter in through there. So we've obviously got Cam Green, Hardy, Mitch Marsh, and Marcus Stoinis. So we are um, just laden with I all think, rounders. Yeah, I think the Stoin has to has to be taken a back seat here. I really do. Oh, I can we've, s- we've got Hardy, you've got Green, you've got Abbott. Um, all these guys there are better value than what the Stoin's bringing now. Well, I can see them playing games where you could have someone like a Cameron Green batting at eight. Do you remember when we were playing that in the, the Chapel Hadley series uh. where Cam Green listed at eight to come in because we just... We picked all the all-rounders. I don't think Mitch Marsh realistically offers a lot of value as an all-rounder. I think the sooner that we start thinking of Mitch Marsh in a one-day international and in T20 as a batsman, as a batsman who potentially can give you some overs, but we should be looking at him batting because yeah. he's you know especially T20s, his bowling isn't hasn't been crash hot. No. He's certainly got something to offer in the one day is, but I think with the, the with the Hardys and with the Hayden Kerrs, with the Cam Greens yeah. all starting to come through, I think there's an opportunity that Marsh doesn't necessarily have to be relied on as being an all rounder to make his spot beside. I think he's good enough bat in the white ball formats that you could leave him there happily yeah. as a batsman. And if you don't get any overs out of him, it's not going to be crucial to his prolonged. No, look, most spot in the most team. of the times I imagine in this team we're going to have. Seven bowlers, including him. Yeah. So you know, chances are he's not gonna he's not gonna get a, a big run anyway. Um, I have no problem with him not bowling. I'm quite happy for him to be batting in that middle order and just tearing people apart the way he has been for the last two years. Uh, but yeah, so overall, I'm pretty happy with the squads. My only major complaint is why has Sanger not been involved in the the T20 squad as well? Because I think that's makes sense. Yeah, it's just logical. I'm, but, I'm, you know. I'm unhappy, obviously, with the, the reasoning around the captaincy for the T20 side. And and I'm a little unhappy with the continued use of Marcus Stoinis, especially with some of the young all-rounders who are coming yeah. through. This is a guy whose best game for Australia was his very first one. Yeah. Um, he's getting on. He's, he's 
you know, he's... He's not producing on a yeah, consistent level. His production has barely been international standard. There's been a few really good games and then some other ones where he's been largely ineffectual. Mm. And I just think we've just got so much wealth at his position that we yeah. can move on and start building a new right identity. medium paces who can slog the ball, mate. Um, and I think that's the, been the big thing with our, one, uh, sorry, our T20 side is that we've had this sort of framework yeah. of a side and... With the exception of that trip to the UAE, it has done the same thing. It yeah. has bombed out usually before the semifinals. Mm-hmm. So that Finch, Warner, Smith, Stark, um, you know, Stoinis, Zampa, all those sort of guys coming in. Cummins. Um, Maxwell, all those guys have all largely mm-hmm. been around for a fairly long period of time. And we've struck out, what, three of the last four times. So mm-hmm. one at home, we won the one before that, we struck out before that, and we struck out before that. Mm-hmm. So in terms of our T20 side, and I think it's, you know, with the some young players making names for themselves in the Big Bash, and I think, you know, Aaron Finch retiring. Yes. Um, it's a, a chance to just, and, you know, David Warner's, you know, what he's, sees, what? says he's on the way out. Soinus is 30. tap on the shoulder. You know, Starks, you know, in his 30s, yeah. I think he's still good enough to make it through to the next World Cup. But I think this is a really opportunity to just go, let's just hit the reset button and just get some of these young guys mm-hmm. in. Leave, you know, leave a Steve Smith who's hitting the ball well. Leave a Glenn Maxwell. Um, you know, maybe a Mitchell Stark who's, you know, Look, the thing is, Been, uh, Mitch, Mitch Stark at his absolute best is devastating in, in any format. But, but get your Spencer Johnsons, yes. get your Jai Richardsons, get your Aaron Hardys, your Hayden Kerrs, your, your Matt Shorts. Get these young guys that are there and start building a new generation. Because I just don't mm-hmm. you know this generation at the peak of its powers wasn't was good w- enough. Was missing World Cup semifinals. Yeah, it wasn't good enough. And we're still that. sticking with the same group of guys and hoping that, you know, Two years on, four years on, these guys are suddenly going to get it done while India and England and the West Indies keep unearthing all these new exciting players. Mm-hmm. We're sort of like, no, we'll give these guys another crack. No, we'll give them the, the, another crack would be the World Cup defence. But when we when we didn't make the semi-finals in our own backyard, that was a big red alert sign that says, all right, this this iteration of the Australian cricket team isn't working. Mm-hmm. Let's just hit the reset button, bring in some new, exciting, hungry go-getters, and we'll try again. Yeah. No disrespect to them. They've all been worthy um, you know, worthy players for the Australian team, but it just hasn't worked. It just hasn't gotten over the top. Um, right. you know, and, and Finch bowing out at the end of that World Cup was a perfect sliding doors moment where you can go, right, out with the old, in with the new. And we just... We didn't take we, it. We didn't take it. Anyway... All right, well, that's our analysis of the teams. And right after this, we're going to have a chat about the Irish One Day International. Yes, this has been coming All for a long team. time, folks. We might even throw a drum roll in. Well, he's done it. And he's done it in grand style with a boundary. Well done, Glenn McGrath. First ever half-century in Test cricket. Here we are, our world tour of the best uh, tests, or sorry, best one-day international all-time teams has finally come to Ireland. Now, you might think that Ireland is you know, a bit of an odd one for us to be doing, but this is a, a team that has um, appeared in three World Cups, the first being in 2007. They've been around since 2006 as an ODI nation. They've played nearly 200 
194 one-day internationals, uh, winning 78 and losing 100 of them. Uh, and they're, they're, they've been qualifying for the World Cup since the 90s, so yeah. they've, they've, um, they've been around. This is a team that's generated quite a bit of ta- a bit of talent. As we've talked about in the in the intros coming through to this, is they're they're a bit of a giant killer. They've they've got a they've got a big upset win in them for most of these World Cups. They've knocked over Pakistan. They've knocked over England. Yes, um, um, I I've always found them one of those interesting teams to watch as well as that they have a very distinct way in that they like to play. They're very as a general rule, their their batsmen are pretty attacking. Um, if anything, they lack a little bit in the bowling department, which I think is, you know, that's something that they've always had. And they're really like a, a real firebrand, yeah. genuine, fast bowler. You've seen it in the test matches that yeah. they just they're all a bit same same when it yeah. comes to them. And um, but there, there's some, especially today. I mean, there's you know Josh Little and Mark Adair are two guys that are, are very well credentialed in the international circuit. Um, plenty of, of clever bowling. Even some more rounders like Curtis Camphor has got an international double hat trick. Mm-hmm. So the the makings there, especially I think in the shorter formats, they tend to play because the the lack of diversity in their bowling attack is masked by the the length of the game. It's just when the in the, the longer formats when you really need that diversity to help break partnerships and and things like that, as it certainly becomes more apparent. But uh, they can mask a lot of that with. Um, in the T20s and one-day internationals. Yeah, and as I said, they've, they've really caused some massive upsets and they've, they've got some pretty good players, guys who when you, you actually go back and look at their records and consider how how actually few one-day internationals have been played by Ireland over, over a period of time, they've got some guys that have performed really, really well. And um, I'm sure we'll touch on a few of them right now. Yeah, so um, I don't think there's going to be too much of the considerations that we've got for these uh, one-day international sides where we sort of value, you know... No, because they're, they're very modern. It's all very modern things. Yes. So I think it's, it's very much sort of what you see and who we determine is probably the best for the side. So uh, we'll start with the openers. And unless I'm you know, mistaken in our judgment of this, there's really only the two options that you can really pick for Ireland in as their opening bats, and that would be Paul Sterling and Will Porterfield. Um, that's exactly who I've got here on my list. Um, I actually, I've come to, I've come to learn that in these uh, discussions that we have about the the best one day or the best test teams, that it's best to come prepared with a list of players as opposed to just a, an eleven set out because yeah. we always have a little bit of controversy, but there's certainly no controversy there. Both of them um, high-quality players who've, who've got very, very good records in one-day internationals. William Porterfield was a long-term captain for for the team for a long time, so um, and basically their records stand out. Paul Sterling's just outstanding. Oh, Paul Sterling's is world-class yes. standard. Like, yeah, average of 38, and when you consider Aaron Finch, he's averaged just into the 30s yeah. by the end of his career. So that's right up there. Strike rate nearly 90, 1400s and 2850s. 14 international, now, one day international. And I know yeah. that people are going to come out and go, look at all the, like they're playing Nepal and they'll play the United States and they'll play the Minnow Nations more. But you know what? They can only play the cricket that they're playing. Um, they've stood up and they, they've played some big performances against some big teams. But I'm not going to hold the fact that they've only played X amount of games against X amount of teams. It's what it is. They're playing cricket and will and you know guys like Sterling and, and Porterfield. There's 25 international 
uh, one day international hundreds between them. Yeah. Um, and doesn't matter which way you cut it, that's impressive. You know, yeah, someone's sure got to score the runs, and these guys have done it. And you got to remember the fact that Paul Sterling as well has quite a number of um, one day international wickets to his name. He's yeah. um, a handy off spin bowler. Uh, well over a hundred wickets. Uh, no, it's list A wickets. Oh. ODI wickets, it's forty three. Oh, is that okay? But um, he's got a he's got a one day international six for. Yeah, ball sterling. So, um, yeah. So I think they're they're the obvious choices. They're going to be your, your openers. Mm-hmm. Um, three. I've got the current um, one day international captain. I see. I think he may have just stepped down, but uh, the current captain Andrew Balburnie. Um, no, I actually have uh, Kevin O'Brien. You got O'Brien at three. I've got him in the side, but I am lower down. Oh, I've got him at three. Oh, okay. Well, that's interesting. So I was having a look, and I don't know how much how many um games Kevin O'Brien played. It uh, um, it wasn't really a consideration in my in my thinking process. Uh, about okay. Where um he spent a lot of his time batting. I'm looking more at the balance of my team and who I want to get into the team. Fair enough. Because um, he played. Okay, so. Kevin O'Brien had one innings at three for Ireland, but he had 64 at five and uh, 47 at six. So I always saw O'Brien as a bit of that, you know, all-rounder, late order finisher sort of player. So that's that's an interesting one. So Yeah, look, it's open to negotiation, obviously. Um, I actually didn't have Balburnie in my team. You don't have Andrew Balburnie in your team? No. He's the fourth leading run scorer. He's got nearly 3,000 one-day runs. He's got 815.50s. How has he not made your top six at all? What? That's outrageous. What have you got? That's absolutely staggered at that. Uh. Um, well, like, I'll go through my top six, okay? So I've got Porterfield, Paul Sterling, I've got Kevin O'Brien, I've got Harry Tector, I've got Ed Joyce and Lorcan Tucker as my top six. Oh, right. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I've got a few of those players there. So I've also got uh, Harry Tector. He, like, I'll put this out yeah. there. We're not going to argue about that. Harry Tector will bat at four. Yeah, the, yeah. the kid is yeah. um, absolute quality. Uh, 38 games, 1,500 runs, yeah. uh, average of 50, strike rate of 85, 400s, 1150s. The kid looks like an Irish Kevin Peterson. The yeah. kid's amazing. Cannot wait to see how that career pans out. Um, I think it might be just a bit ahead of the game for Lorcan Tucker. Uh, I think he's turned into a really good test player. Yeah. But Lorcan Tucker's only averaging 20 at a strike rate of shy of 80 with um, 350s. I have... Um, Niall O'Brien. Niall O'Brien. Yeah. 118.50s, 2.5,000 runs, yeah. over 100 one-day internationals for Ireland, I think. Well, well that's what, you, that's you, the beauty of all of this. Isn't it? It's <laughs> all open for di- for discussion, isn't it? I, I think considering that their, their record is... So he's only got the 44 games and Lorcan Tucker's record is actually inferior. Like if he was sort of like averaging 45, you might make a an argument for that. But I think... I'm just a big fan of Lorcan Tucker. Oh, so am I. I think so. the guy is a, um, a it, phenomenal young player. He's shown, especially in the T20 game, uh, he showed some great promise in the, the tests that Ireland have knocked out recently. Yeah. I don't think he's got the... Um, don't think he's got the cred I in the one day. I don't think he's got the cred in the one day, especially when you consider some of the guys that have been around for a long time. I mean, yeah, that's that's a over a dozen years that um, Niall O'Brien's been playing yeah. and being an absolute like linchpin for that side. Mm. 
Um, oh, no, I've got no problem with, with picking Nile O'Brien. As I said, I come with a squad. So, um, yeah, look, I, I think basically we need to work out what we're going to do with Balburnie. Um See, I, I was looking at Joyce. Joyce has got a fantastic um, record as well, 500s, 1250s, um, 41 is his average. He's primarily an opener. Um, so I suppose you can come down and maybe play him at, at three, so make it a Joyce versus Balburnie at that position, because I don't like I don't think you could probably play O'Brien at three. You don't want to play O'Brien at three. No, I think he's probably got to come down and play. He's more like Ireland have used him as that middle order battle, battering ram finisher sort of player. He's, yeah, um, which I think you can still do with the balance that you've got in your side. Mm. Um, but I, I think when you're looking at that, you got three thousand runs out of Balburnie, and you know. Just over two thousand runs at top order players, you know between Valberni and and Joyce, you've got thirteen hundreds and twenty five fifties. I mm. think guys that are genuine top order players probably beat out Kevin O'Brien at three. I think yeah. you know Kevin O'Brien's going to comfortably slot into this side at that five six sort of position. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, what about if we go Porterfield, Sterling, Joyce? Um, Tector, Kevin O'Brien, Balburnie. Or is that too low for Balburnie? Uh, so Balburnie has played 60 of his 97 innings at three. Uh, 700s, 1150s, average of 37, striking at just under 80. So he's scored, yeah, over 2,000 one-day international runs at three. Um, I suppose there could be an argument you get just you're going off talent, you get him in there. So I've got in my side, so I've got largely the same sort of names. I wanted to put George Dockrell in as a I've lower... Got, I've got Dockrell... A in, middle order, sort of lower middle order batter. I've got him batting at seven in my team. Yeah, so I've got him there as well. I had Niall O'Brien at six and then Dockrell yeah. at seven. So. Well, if we're not going to pick Tucker, then obviously Niall O'Brien is, is the man. I, mean, I, I have no problem with it. I just, I'm just i a big fan of Lorcan Tucker. I like Tucker, Tucker and he's been as well. picked on potential as opposed to... But I think if we're doing the all-time yeah, all Ireland yeah. ODI side, it's got to be guys that have got runs on the board or wickets yeah. in the bank for, for them. And I don't think Lorcan Tucker is... He says, "Got that." I mean, Harry Tector is one that you could probably go. Has he played enough? But he yeah. guys just oozing quality. And he's quality. averaging he's, fifty he's, already. He's there. He's going to play. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I've got yeah. So I've got Porterfield, Sterling, Balburnie, Tector, Kevin O'Brien, Niall O'Brien, George Dockrell in my top seven. Okay. Well, so I think I, I, largely... I, can, I can basically go with that. I do really would like to find a spot for Ed Joyce. I think he was outstanding for Ireland for quite a, a period so of time. So do I. He was really good. Um, so um, he's probably the guy who we're looking at. We're going I to suppose the, the one thing you could probably do is if maybe I don't even know if I'm assuming then you've got four fast bowlers. I do. If maybe one of those fast bowlers doesn't really deserve a spot, and then you shuffle everyone down one, and maybe have Tector at five, and you can fit Balburnie and Joyce in your top four. Yeah, but Joyce at three, Balburnie four, four Tector at five, O'Brien, O'Brien, 
O'Brien, O'Brien, yeah. So O'Brien at six, O'Brien at seven. Oh no, five and six, isn't it? Yeah, no, no, that'd be right. So you'd have three and four would be Balburnie, Joyce, and because I, th- yeah. I think they've they've both. I think Balburnie's got to be there. The guy's got eight one day international hundreds and uh-huh. and and thirteen fifty. So his record is on par with that of. Oh, it was a bit better than Joyce's. Yeah. Uh, so I think probably you're looking then at maybe not having as many, especially then if you've got Kevin O'Brien on your side, that still leaves you the balance because he Kevin O'Brien was your yeah. all-rounder, so you get some overs out of him. Mm-hmm. But I think that's well, probably... Well, uh, yeah. Look, I, think it's, I think six is too low for either Joyce or Balburnie for the balance yeah. of your side, so you've got to be up the top somewhere. Yeah, so you're basically looking at Porterfield, Sterling, say Joyce, Balburnie, Tech at five, O'Brien six, six and seven, Dockrell at eight, and then you've got three quicks. Yeah, because Dockrell plays. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, Dockrell um, is. Well, I've got I've got a, a couple of guys to choose from here because Dockrell's going to be your first choice spinner. Um, so where does that leave Simi Singh? Uh, I don't think Simi Singh makes it. To be no. honest. Um, Great player. A uh, bit of trivia for you. He is the only player to score a one-day international 100 from eight. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's that as well. So what has he got? 35 matches, 500 runs, uh, average of 22, uh, 100 and 150. Uh, I, I don't think that that's... I don't think that's enough to do. And then you're looking at 39 wickets at 25. So it's a, it's a good record, but yeah. I just... I think that there's players, there's players both with bat and ball that have yeah. more of a more of a um, a call of that All side. Right, so, so. so essentially, let's say we've agreed on our on our top eight. So we've yeah. got we're down to our our three seam bowlers. I just want to throw this out before we go too far. Is just how good a player because we've obviously we've just sort of breezed over the fact that Dockerel will play. Dockerel's their second leading wicket taker and will end up being their leading one day international wicket taker before too long. One hundred and three wickets. Uh, 36, you know, that's fair enough numbers. Um, striking at 45, uh, four four-wicket hauls. But he's also, and it, the numbers here probably don't belay how good Dockerell has become as a bat because yeah. he's, he's becoming a genuine all-rounder. 1,200 runs at 91, striking at 82, 650s average of 23. And I reckon if you go through and break that down, how that's looked over the sort of the last yeah. sort of 12 months, 24 months. He's averaging more, well, it's, it's 30. It's, it's ticking upwards. Yeah. It's, he's he's a he's a very handy player, especially in their T20 format. He's yeah. um he's very good. So, yeah, he's a great player to come. You'll take um, 23 striking at 82, batting yeah. at eight. Um, Absolutely. Giving you 100-odd wickets. Yeah. All right, same bowlers. All right, so I'll tell you the ones that I, because I also had the four. So the four that I had were Tim Murta, yeah, Boyd Rankin, yeah, uh, Mark Adair, yeah, and Alex Cusack. I had the first three, but I also had Barry McCarthy. Yeah, McCarthy, forty-two games, sixty-nine wickets at twenty-nine. Um, I just remember Cusack being. Um, just really, really good for them in a couple of really big World Cup games. I think he had a man of the match performance, took three for 18 um, and a, a late 30-odd. Um, he had 59 games, 63 wickets, so only a couple less less than McCarthy in... Well, it was a few more games, I suppose, but he took them at tw- less than 24. That's, um, that's pretty good, isn't it, really, at Less than 24 in one day internationals. And then uh, he wasn't too bad. So McCarthy only averaged eight with the bat. Yeah, McCarthy can't bat. That's um, why he's at 11. And um, 
Oh, I've lost where he was in my list of... And Cusack had 700 runs at 22 with 250s. Mm. Um, so that was why I went Cusack. Uh, Boyd Rankin, I think we all agree, is going to be in that side. He's their third leading wicket taker. 68 matches, um, 96 wickets. And when you look at that, Kevin O'Brien is their leading wicket taker. 153 matches for 114. George Dockerell, we've talked about being a fairly good bowler for, for Ireland. 117 matches and he's taken... Um, seven more wickets and in nearly double the games. Yeah. Boyd Rankin took 68 wickets. Oh, sorry, 68 matches to get his 96 wickets. Four 15s his best. Average 28, under five economy. Um, a strike rate of 35, which is really handy. Yeah. Um, and then Timmy Murtagh, 58 matches, 74 wickets. Um, average just a tick over 30. Um, really good economy. Uh, really, yeah. Obviously, I reckon he's probably his better years were, were past him by the time he finally got to play proper international cricket, and he mm. and he's still churning out for English county cricket, doing yeah. doing his job. So, yeah. so so I I have no problem with Murtagh, Rankin. So that leaves us one spot to fill. So it's either going to be a dare or it's going to be um, Cusick. Well, I'm going to go Cusick. I think I think Mark well. He's taken Mark, Mark Adair is obviously still playing, and he's still very young. And I think in if we do revisit this in ten years' time, we'll probably say that Mark Adair and even a Josh Little are probably going to be taking yeah, up two really of those spots. A little at all. Yeah, um, yeah, too too new. They've both been playing since twenty nineteen. But I think right. you know Cusack's done a job in World Cups and done really well for him. He's got runs in the board uh, on the board yeah. for him. He's got. Well, I think that actually there. tips it in his favour. And, and when you're looking at that, and he's got you know. He's played for what eight years, or in a T twenty, so one day international average of less than twenty four. That's right up there with the big boys of one day international cricket. No. Um, and I think Mark Adair and and Josh Little are probably going to be uh, when it's all said and done. They're going to be guys that are going to they're going to crack that. Both those players end up cracking no. that spot and being in that side. No. Um, but I think at the moment, if it's coming down to Adair versus Cusack in yeah. our eyes, I think Cusack's got it. I well, think. I didn't realise Cusack had much more is a better bat, and that in one day international cricket, when that you it's basically the same sort of numbers, um, and averaging less than twenty four. I mean, we, he really does need to be in a team. So that's actually when you look at that, and that's so, batting. He'll he'll end up batting at nine. Yeah, he'll bat time. at nine. Um, so that, and that's a pretty good team. And this is the sort of thing that this is what Ireland do really well is, you know, with a guy like um, Kevin O'Brien batting in the middle as a finisher, all you need at the other end, especially in the T20 and one-day national games, you just get a guy that's not going to get his pegs cleaned up, hit some singles and get the guy on strike. And Kevin O'Brien and and, or, and guys like that or a, a Paul Sterling or Harry Tector no. just need to strike. They no. just need the guys batting at, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10. If it gets down that low... Don't get your pegs knocked out of the ground, mm-hmm. and um, get me on strike. And you know, Dockrell and and uh, Huzak are guys that could definitely do that and mm-hmm. hold their own with the bat. And um, like even Timmy, even um, Murtor and Rankin, they're the, not the worst batsmen in the world. You know, so it's it's like they're probably genuine number tens. But even so, you're batting down to number nine in this team, and you've got. A, a reasonably good bowling attack. I think it's not a bad bowling attack at all. I think this is a kind of side that um, could definitely slay a few giants on their day. Oh, absolutely. I've got no doubt about that at all. I think um, in particular, like I just, 
you know, we're all in love with Harry Tector. He is just going to be a great player. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, I, I think it's, it's going to be he, fair to isn't say he, he's going to be... He's currently seventh in the world, I think, yeah. in the ICC rankings for the yeah. on international. And that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. And before him goes, oh, he beat up some minnows, he got to that ranking after scoring back-to-back hundreds against South Africa. Yeah. Um, was it three games and he scored hundreds in two or oh, whatever yeah. might but yeah he scored yeah, he a couple, he he scored a couple of one-day hundreds series against... and like averaged like 98 or something in the series it's just um yeah and every time we look at him we just go that's kp yeah he's that's kevin Peterson. he's an incredible bat yeah um rightio guys that's the episode done i hope you've enjoyed that team so we've ended up finishing with the side that is william porterfield paul sterling Andrew Balburnie, Ed Joyce, Harry Tector, Kevin O'Brien, Niall O'Brien, George Dockrell, uh, Alex Cusack, um, Timmy Murtagh, and, and Boyd Rankin. Rankin. And we'll throw in um, Andy McBride as a 12th man. Yeah, McBride is he's handy. Yeah, he's handy. He can do a bit of everything. Uh, he bowled really well in that... Um, in that uh, test game against yeah. uh, against Bangladesh. Yeah. Uh, so what's he got? 84 wickets, going at 34. He's been playing for 10 years. He's been he's been a great servant yeah, for Irish a, cricket. He's been a journeyman for him, and yeah, um, he's still getting the game. So he can't nearly a thousand today. runs. It's only at 20, but he's got a couple of 50s in there. He's just a, one of those guys that just he's a he's, handy cricketer. He's a he's a what what to steal a baseball term. He's a five tool player. He doesn't do anything yeah. particularly great, but he does a lot of things well enough that he's a guy that you love yeah. on your side. So absolutely, Brian at 12. Man, um, let us know, guys. What do you think of the Irish side? There's, um, you know, there's, there's plenty of talent in there. Is there anyone that we've really missed? Have we got it wrong? Should we not have uh, stuffed around with the order too much? I think it's. I think we're pretty odds on here. I was trying to find a way to get Ed Joyce in, yeah. um, and Bell Bernie, and I think I think we've covered it we're, off nicely. We've, comp- we've compromised nicely, I think. There, like, that, that team has potential to score three hundred odd runs, and there's, there's in, some, in average, in and it. there's some bowling in there that'll help. Um, yeah. And because another thing in Tector's bow that he's he's not a he's not a rubbish bowler either. He'd probably nah. give you a couple of overs here and there. Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, we'll be back next week with more cricketing goodness. Uh, but until then, bye for now. Over. Sports Social Podcast Network. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply